This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Allen. I know you're excited to get into today's show, but I have a very exciting announcement to share with you before moving to the show. We've just launched a complimentary and comprehensive webinar that, among other things, shows you how to legally use passive real estate investing to reduce your taxes, recession-proof your nest egg, and take the sting out of inflation. If you are curious to learn more, go to steetalker.com forward slash webinar. It is complimentary and only takes a couple of minutes of your time. Once again, that is steetalker.com forward slash webinar. I'll see you in the webinar. Enjoy today's show. This is the Real Estate Investing Abundance Podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Welcome back to the show. Delighted that you're joining us again today. We're going to take an in-depth look here at nothing but net. That's nothing but triple net. And with us today is Dan Lukowitz. And he is a seasoned real estate veteran with over 15 years of experience in many facets of the real estate industry. Currently, Dan is Senior Director of Encore Real Estate Investment Services, and he specializes in shopping centers, medical office buildings, pharmacies, quick service restaurants, and automotive repair and parts stores, as well as resorts. So Dan has a wide range of uh, experiences and real estate. And so, Dan, we're glad you're with us today. So take us into the show and share and experience that is key to being who you are today. Yeah. First of all, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm definitely excited to be here and you know share information and knowledge together. So thank you very much uh, for that and for everyone who's who's listening or watching. So for me, in terms of, of formative experiences, I would say the one that, that that jumps out to mind when I was a lot younger, I approached someone who I respected very, very much. Um, and, uh, you know, I just, you know, told them, Hey, listen, like I'm, I'm looking to go into business and I want to be successful. What advice do you have for me? And he said that uh, his number one piece of advice was to find a mentor and to make yourself dumb in front of that person. Meaning don't try to tell them how much, you know, don't try to impress them. Don't try to go through your accolades or your successes or your, you know, a track record or history, just listen and just learn. And, and that advice was so powerful. It's so simple. Um, but, you know, in any industry, we have an opportunity to find somebody who's been there longer or has the success that we want to have and to, to kind of cleave to them and, and in essence, to make ourselves dumb in front of them. And I think it's excellent advice and it worked very well for me. and was definitely, you know, a, a formative experience. Yeah, that's great advice. You know, it, it also takes humility uh, to do that. We all want to. It does to look our best with uh, whoever it is we're dealing with and uh, approaching somebody and saying, I just need to learn. You know, that takes takes humility to do that. Absolutely. Well, Dan, what is it that you actually do in real estate these days? Yeah, so I'm a, a net lease investment sales broker. So what that means is that I broker transactions, whether as a, a listing broker selling property or uh, on the buy side as well, or sometimes both, many times both in, in, in most of my transactions, in fact. Um, and I specialize in a very narrow focus of commercial real estate, right? So I, I'm, I'm not somebody who's out there as a generalist doing all different types of, of commercial real estate. I'm an expert in one narrow focus, and that's what I believe in and, and you know, feel to be the not only most you know, success provoking, but also uh, the most effective in terms of providing services to my clients. 
So I sell, as you alluded to, um, a lot of single tenant net lease properties. Those are properties that are occupied by one tenant. Uh, in many cases, those tenants are large corporations that have hundreds, uh, if not thousands of locations. And, and in contradistinction to many other forms of real estate, at least in its purest form, in the absolute triple net you know, category of, of, of net lease, in those properties, the landlord uh, collects rent, whatever, whatever their rent is, that's net to the, to the investor. So the tenant actually pays for all the taxes on the property that you own as, as an investor. They pay for the insurance for the property. They take care of all of the maintenance, all of the repair work, any management. It is as passive as it gets in terms of, of tangible real estate ownership. You know, I also sell a lot of double net properties. Those are properties that are exactly as I just described. However, there are some landlord responsibilities, like in some cases to take care of maintenance for the roof and structure, or maybe the roof structure and parking lot. And then I do a lot of shopping centers as well. So your traditional, let's call it your neighborhood shopping center, anywhere from 10,000 square feet to 150,000 square feet, um, made up of a, of a wide array of tenants, many different types of tenants. Um, in those cases, the landlord responsibilities are a little bit greater. Um, you know, Typically, the landlord is responsible for maintaining things like the roof structure and parking lot and doing maintenance to the building and management of the property. But in many cases, they're actually reimbursed for those expenses by each of the tenants on a pro rata share. So I specialize exclusively in these types of properties, again, in, in the listing, in the sale, and in, in the purchase of, of net lease assets all over the country. Well, fascinating. So why is it important for us if we are looking at particularly triple net lease? Why is it important to use a broker rather than going directly to sellers? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that all the time. I mean, there's a variety of reasons. Number one is just experience and knowledge, right? I know the markets that I work in because day in, day out, I'm running comps, I'm evaluating properties, I'm talking to brokers, I'm talking to tenants, talking to investors. So I have my finger on the pulse of the market, in essence, better than most investors would. I mean, you know, as much as I, you know, I work with very, very experienced investors who spend a lot of time doing this, but but few of them spend as much time as we do exclusively on this specific task, right? So that's number one. Number two is the tools. I mean, we have access to services, to tools, to information that the average person doesn't have. Uh, in fact, you know, if I would look at at you know the way I run my business, you know, I'm spending thousands of dollars every month just on subscriptions to data providing tools, you know, for for the industry. So that that's that's very very important. Also, in terms of selling the property, it's important to use a broker. I mean, I always tell people, you know, oftentimes the objection from investors, well, hey. You know, do me a favor here. I, I, I want to sell the property, but show it to like, you know, maybe five or 10 investors. And I'm happy to do that. But that is never, never in the best interest of a seller, right? The best interest of a seller is to create a competitive bidding environment. And the best way to do that is to give a property full market exposure. So aside from brokers, very few people have the tools and, and the ability and the time and energy to give a property the full market exposure that it needs. You know, another 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 thing is, is like, listen, let's say you own a Wendy's property and you want to sell it yourself. Okay, great. Go ahead. There's a lot of reasons why I've just described why you shouldn't. But what about the fact that myself and my team have sold hundreds of fast food restaurants over the last few years, right? So for us, it's as simple as looking at a recent database of buyers who were interested in a property that was very similar to the one we're about to market. That's proprietary information that, you know, just the average everyday investor does not have. In addition, I mean, we've built up a database of probably about 400,000 um, investors, family offices, REITs, funds, you know, brokers, et cetera. 
And, you know, that list is valuable. We utilize that list in order to get the properties out in front of as many people as possible. So both for the underwriting and the knowledge and, and, and experience, it's important to have a broker. And then especially for in, in terms of selling the property. You know, and the last thing I'll add is, you know, what about escrow management? I sold a Burger King for a client two months ago, and he was literally traveling the country lecturing the entire time we were in the due diligence period. Our due diligence period was only 21 days. It was 21 days when we signed a contract to close the deal. And I was in constant communication with the lenders, with the buyer, with the title company, you know, just making sure everything moves smoothly. So, you know, the goal is, is that the investor has a very seamless, smooth transaction. And I will tell you on the other side of the curtain, it is anything but smooth and seamless. We're there constantly juggling, putting pieces back, you know, something falls out, put it back in order. There's all kinds of things that we have to do in order to keep that transaction smooth. And, and if you don't have a broker, you lose that type of support. Excellent, uh, excellent points. So you're talking about Wendy's Burger King. Uh, is it typical that they are actually leasing uh, the building from the property owner? Uh, you said you were selling a Burger King. You were selling a Wendy. Were you, were you actually selling the franchise along with the building? Or, or break that down for us. Yeah, great question. So I am an investment sales broker. So I'm selling the actual tangible real estate. Okay. Now there is also an operation that goes on, but, but keep in mind. So I'll give you an example of that Burger King that I mentioned where my client was traveling. In that situation, the investor out of California owned the property in in uh, in Texas, right? And then the operator was based in Texas. They were they operated twelve other Burger Kings. This was one of them. So in that case, that property gets sold potentially to a new investor. In this case, it actually was sold to the tenant. The tenant bought the building. So maybe it's not the best example. I'll give you a, you know, a different example. So I sold, here's a good one. I'm going to be relisting re a property that I sold a few years ago. Wendy's property here in Michigan, uh, operated by a large uh, 56 unit uh, operator. So the, the, the seller was in Texas. He sold the property to a group out of Chicago. The group out of Chicago now owns the actual building and they have the lease that's associated with it, but the operation is still run by this Michigan-based company. So we are not selling the operations. We are selling the building. In some cases, it goes the other way around uh, in what's called a sale leaseback, where you have a owner operator. So you've got a franchisee who also owns the building. And what we'll do in that case is we'll help them structure a lease to sell the building and then lease it back from the new owner. That's a very popular uh, technique that's done in many different types of net lease. But in any case, uh, everything I've just described, again, we're selling the real estate. We're not selling the operation. Okay. Yeah, it, I, I guess they're they're doing the lease back in order to free up capital to yes. invest in, in other places and other ways and means. Yeah, and not, not only that, but then they also now are able to write off their rent um, you know, if they are now, now they're paying rent to the new owner. And then another cool thing too is, is let's say they had all that capital, they own the building free and clear, they wanted to get a mortgage, they might only be able to pull out 65 or 70% of the value with a sale leaseback in, in essence, although you are selling the building, you're now actualizing 100% of the value. It's another, another advantage. Yeah. What advice do you have for investors right now uh, in this very tumultuous uh, real estate uh, in, uh, market. I mean, I say keep your head down and stick to your principles, whatever those principles are. And I say this all the time, even when we're in, in different markets than we are in today. But essentially, you know, you need to have your set of principles as to what is a good investment and what is not a good investment. And I think it's very important, no matter your level of expertise, 
or, or, or uh, you know, or the amount of time you've been doing this, the number of deals. Always get another set of eyes, whether that's a friend or a colleague or a broker like myself, to look at the deal and make sure that that you're not missing anything. So, you know, my advice is is don't try to take that fear and kind of put it on the back burner because there's a lot of opportunities. I mean, I'm seeing a ton of opportunities. Myself, personally, my business has not slowed down one bit. It's changed a little bit. I'm selling, you know, maybe more distressed properties or, you know, vacant properties, things like that. But but opportunities are, are, are not only still there, they're in many cases, they're more abundant because you've got less people competing. And you also have all this, you know, the, there's really a variety of factors that are coalescing together, you know, rapid interest rate increases, um, the expiration of loan terms where people are going to have to refinance uh, and bring cash to the table or sell. You have the factors of uh, incredible underlying real estate, but tenants who have gone through very difficult financial times and maybe filing for bankruptcy. There's opportunities there in repurposing when ten- tenants go bankrupt and they they leave the you know the valuable real estate. So my advice is you know keep your head down, but keep your eyes open. Focus on your principles and 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 recognize that right now is definitely a time of massive opportunity. Enlightened investors, if you haven't done so already, be sure and click that like button and also click that share so others can take advantage of the content. And finally, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single one of our upcoming episodes. So in terms of uh, triple net uh, lease opportunities, are they typically uh, single owners or are you working with uh, JVs, syndications, uh, what's your typical buyer? Good question. So it's a mix. I would say the majority are, I mean, they may not be single owners. They might be partnerships or families, but, you know, typically like one entity, you know, owned and financed. Um, we are seeing more and more uh, syndication opportunities, um, especially, you know, over the years we watched net lease cap rates went down, right? But multifamily cap rates went way down. And from my perspective, you know, a net lease deal typically is much more stable, much more secure, much more predictable, right? So if you could get a a 5.5% return in a net lease deal, why would you chase a 4% deal in in a multifamily deal? Um, So we are seeing more capital that way coming into into the space. Um, So I would say it's definitely a mix of both. And you say that there is less risk in triple net lease, but you have just a single tenant which in some respects that looks a little bit uh, more risky to me, even with, I, I mean, I have even seen operations such as various different fast food operations who've gone bankrupt. And you've got, we had a Kentucky Fried Chicken that went through that. So you've got this location, which is a Kentucky Fried Chicken location. And to get a new tenant in there, either they have to come back in with uh, another Kentucky Fried Chicken franchise, or you're going to have to repurpose that. That all sounds really pretty risky. So talk about that. You 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 brought up an interesting subject. I mean, I can talk about both sides of it. You know, on one hand, I'll tell you that, you know, typically when you're dealing with net lease properties and quick service restaurant that, you know, you're alluding to is a little bit different because although it says, you know, KFC out on the, on the, you know, on the, uh, the sign, you know, typically the majority of those fast food restaurants are franchisee operated. So yeah, you might have a smaller franchisee that goes bankrupt. Now, when I look at net lease in terms of like national tenants that have hundreds or thousands of locations, the likelihood of companies like that going bankrupt is far lower. So I see an inherent security, you know, in, in that type of net lease. Now, obviously, if you want the diversification kind of that you alluded to, 
you can take a look at multi-tenant, you know, multi-tenant strip centers, whether it's a shopping center or a two or three tenant, you know, more like net lease deal uh, that can, you know, kind of diversify a little bit of your risk. So, you know, in general, when, when you're dealing with major national tenants, it's very uncommon for the entire com- corporation to go bust. And if that location is having difficulties, they're still on the hook, which is what's really nice, right? And you have, not only that, you have, you know, in many cases, rental escalations that are built into the lease. So you know exactly what your rent is going to look like. And there's going to be a somewhat of a hedge against inflation. You also have no issue with um, uncontrollable expenses, right? Because you're not responsible for the expenses. If, if the cost of, of maintaining the parking lot goes up, not your problem. If the cost of repairing the roof goes up, not your problem. So those are all reasons why there's a, you know an inherent stability and security in net lease. What I will also talk about, though, is, is the flip side, right? So when you have these smaller operators, like in your case, the Kentucky Fried Chicken that goes out of business, there's a big opportunity for people to purchase those properties and then repurpose them, right? I sold a CVS last month that had about four years of lease term remaining. And we thought there was a strong likelihood that the tenant was going to leave for a variety of reasons. You know, and that was purchased by a developer who's cash flowing the property for four years and then has a plan to backfill it with a new tenant afterwards. And that will, in essence, increase the equity that he has in the property because he's going to have a better lease, longer term, higher rent, better, you know, comparable or better tenant. So there's opportunities on the other side as well in, in regards to, you know, like I alluded to before, when you have corporations, smaller franchisees, for example, that go out of business, right, which is common today, especially that underlying real estate never had an issue, right? It wasn't that that location was a bad location. It's that that whole operation file for bankruptcy, right? But the underlying real estate was valuable. So that prevents a lot, that presents a lot of opportunity for for people who want to jump in and repurpose net lease. Well, if a person has never done a net lease, how do they get started? Great question. So I guess it depends on really one thing. It depends on how much capital you want to put up, right? Because net lease is a little bit cost prohibitive. You know, typically what we deal with, I would say, if you looked at kind of a, a graph or something like that of, of our of our typical inventory that we sell in a year. Most of what we sell starts at about a million bucks, maybe 1.2 million. And then it really starts to broaden out at a million and a half, two million, two and a half, three million. A lot of our product is in there. So if you don't have, let's say, a third of that roughly um, liquid, it's going to be difficult to, to purchase as a solo you know, owner. Mm-hmm. So that that's one option. If you have that, great, let's do it. Perfect. If you don't, then as you alluded to earlier, there are opportunities for syndications where people can put in, you know, let's say $50,000 or so and partner up with a group that's doing this and share in in, in the uh, the upside and in mm-hmm. the return. So, you know, depending on how much capital you have, it's going to depend on, on the avenue that you go. Either way, I'd recommend reaching out to a broker like myself who can help you navigate what's available um, you know, and, and and things that you should consider. I talk to a lot of first-time investors, and you know, you'd be surprised. There are things that come up that they didn't necessarily realize, and and you know, I, I enjoy it because it's an opportunity to share knowledge and and watch other people succeed. But you know, I definitely would recommend that as another step in order to educate yourself and get connected. You know, what you really want, what you really really want, is you want to be on a broker shortlist, right? You want to be the guy or the girl that he's sending the deals to. In fact, just this morning, I was on the phone with a friend of mine and because uh, I, I received an offer and I said, I said, hey, man, what's going on? Like, how come you didn't call me? You, you know, you know me like you're my you're my buddy. And he's like, you know, you didn't send me the deal, Dan. He's like, you you know, you used to always send me the deals. And I said, oh, you know what? You're right. And, and this guy, he essentially 
he didn't, he told me not to send him deals in this particular market because it was too far from his home, but people change what they want. So I guess my point is, is you want to be on the short list. Like, you know, you want to be the guy or the girl that gets that deal before anybody else sees it. So you can, you know, get in an offer and, and grab that asset that you want. Absolutely. Well, Dan, tell us about the specific services you offer and how our audience can get in touch with you to take advantage of that. Yeah. So first of all, if you own commercial property, something that my, myself and my team, we do every single day is we put together value proposals. So we'll give you a 20, 25 page PDF with all kinds of demographic research, tenant research, you know, just overall market uh, information, uh, as well as the current value of your property. You know, think about it as as um, uh, you know, a broker opinion of value, if you will. So that's, some, that's a service that I provide to my clients you know, at, at all times, and I provide it to anybody who has commercial property. It's very important, especially today. You know, if you know what if you knew what your property was worth six months ago, it's not worth the same today. So it's very important to have that information. So please, you know, by all means, reach out for for that. I'm also I'm available for any type of deal analysis. If people want an extra set of eyes on a deal, even if it's your own deal or somebody else's deal, I'm happy to to, to provide value in that way. You know, and I think our, our major value proposition is in representing sellers and helping them to achieve the greatest market exposure to get the, the largest number of offers, best terms, and, and highest prices. Obviously, I also represent buyers as well. So if people are looking to buy net lease or, or multi-tenant uh, retail, I'm happy to help with that. Best way to find me, I mean, one of the ways I should say is on LinkedIn. Uh, my first name, Dan, last name Lukowitz, L-E-W. K-O-W-I-C-Z, again, L-E-W-K-O-W-I-C-Z. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find there. I'm often many times a week, sometimes every day, uh, produ- you know, producing content that's available for people as it pertains to commercial real estate. You can also reach me on my direct line, 248-943-2838. Again, 248-943-2838. I'm happy to provide value and it would be my pleasure um, you know, to be in touch. And all that information will be in our show notes. Dan, just take us through uh, your most difficult and challenging transaction and uh, what all did that entail and uh, how did you manage it and how did you get through it? Oh, man, that's a good question. I mean, as you ask me that question, I'm thinking about five or six in my head all at once. <laughs> it's hard to choose. There's There have been a lot of challenging transactions. Gosh, let me think what... I mean... Just to share maybe some pointers, I'm in the middle of a transaction right now. I'm actually going to be doing a site visit with the buyer tomorrow um, out of state. But essentially, this is a, a property. It's a former fast food restaurant. There have been all kinds of issues that have come up. Uh, there was an issue with the potential, the equipment inside of the property. Even though the franchisee went through bankruptcy and, and, and their lease was rejected, there was a question as to whether or not the um, the contents still had any you know liens on them, the equipment, the 20-year-old fryers and whatnot. So I had to do a lot of uh, back and forth with bankruptcy attorneys in other states. Um, in addition, there's a mortgage on the property that was improperly discharged. So we're working on that. There's also a declaration from 1994 that is a 55-year declaration that states all of the usage restrictions for this particular property. This property is an out parcel in a shopping center. And if there's a restriction out there, okay, you name any restriction, it's in this declaration, right? So for example, there's a restriction that you can't build a building larger than 2,500 square feet for a restaurant. Well, guess what? This is a restaurant and it's over 3,200 square feet. So right now I'm in the process of communicating with a shopping center owner, right? That's nothing to do with this actual parcel other than that it's part of the same shopping center. So I'm in contact with them because they have an obligation to provide an estoppel certificate certifying which restrictions are still in place and what modifications have occurred 
so that the buyer can then decide if it makes sense to continue with the transaction. So these are all little nuances that are, are you know going on in the background. Seller doesn't really know about any of this because they you know I, I tell them what's going on, but they don't have to be involved, which is I think that's great. The seller should have should it should be as easy as possible for them. No, another another thing that comes to mind. Uh, last year, I sold a pair of resorts in Michigan for over $47 million. It was a pretty seamless transaction overall. However, uh, we had a lot of back and forth with different lenders. In fact, the, lend- the buyer switched lenders like two weeks before closing. Um, we were able to close the deal and get everything done. But, you know, definitely that, that deal had a lot of, a lot of nail biting, especially with the transaction that's that large and that meaningful. You know, you're talking about family that owns properties that are that have hundreds of employees, right? And they're now uh, transitioning those not only the the buildings but the operations over to this to this new buyer. So you know that all of that is is quite complex, you know, and it's something that that we deal with every day. But I would say you know most transactions are smooth, but but there are are many that have so many moving pieces behind the scenes that it's really, I can't imagine doing this without a broker. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, it is. It sounds like a extraordinarily complex transaction and uh, certainly you need expert advice. Dan, it's been wonderful having you today. And thank you for being with us and informing us about the complexities of NetNet as well as the opportunities. Thanks for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Enlightened investors, wait, wait, don't go just yet. I just want to remind you about our recently launched webinar that you will not want to miss. If you're at all curious and would like to learn more about how real estate investing can diversify your investment portfolio, alleviate the anxiety associated with Wall Street swings, leverage your 401ks and IRAs to substantially increase the return on your investment, and do all of this with turnkey, hands-off, passive real estate investments, then you'll want to immediately go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. In the webinar, we'll also address the common dubious investment schemes that you want to avoid. To access the webinar, go to stetalker.com forward slash webinar. I look forward to seeing you in the webinar. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance brought to you by Steve Talker Capital a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steve Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steve Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at stevetalker.com.